listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Good morning. Thank you for that introduction. Not. Uh, you know, it's kind of ironic I'm up here today. I know that that's going to fall. I'm going to That'll make a very loud noise if I do that, so. Um, good morning. Good morning. Give me just a second here. I have to cheat today. I'll explain why in just a minute. Um, my name's Jeff, so I'll do this while I'm not looking at you because that's what good pastors do is not make eye contact with the people they're talking to. Um, and as, as Ricardo mentioned, I am the... Uh, Angelic and I are the serve leaders here at the mission, and uh, it's just an honor to be up here. It's kind of ironic that I'm up here today because our pastor is actually out of town serving uh, with a mission team who is now actually serving servants. So it's this weird serve cornucopia of stuff that's going on in Spain right now, serving these people that serve um, refugee communities throughout southern Europe and northern um, North Africa, um, Muslim communities particularly, but to share the gospel with them and to share the love of Jesus. And that's, you know, just, just an amazing thing. Um, so I hope you keep them in your thoughts and prayers this week. They're gone all week long. Um, they're just doing amazing things, so let's keep them in prayer. Before we begin, I want to give you a little, um, a little heads up. Um, some of you already know this. I build zip lines, challenge courses, goofy things like that. I get to go test them. I get to inspect them. I get to build them. I get to teach people how to use them. And... When you test them, sometimes things don't go well. And so maybe a couple years ago, I may have crashed into a tree at a high rate of speed. And um, that may or may not have caused me to break out into tears for no good reason, at least maybe not to you. So if I go into an ugly cry, be patient. It'll pass. It just, I get a little emotional sometimes. And I wish I was not being serious, but I'm not trying to do it for effect. That's the main thing I want to get across here. This is not me being Jerry, Jerry Faldwell or Jimmy Swaggart, and some of you are looking at me going, that dude's old because I don't know who he's talking about. <laughs> so thank you for Ricardo for pointing that out. Um, really do. So um, a little bit about me, I guess, or our family at least. Um, we're, I think we're kind of a funny family. Well, my, the Allen part of our family typically is kind of funny, or at least we think we're funny. We, we tend to believe that we have been gifted with uh, a quick wit. And so I try to make use of that quick wit as often as I can on as many, like, social medium forums as I can, just making that quick snarky comment, you know, and I know I'm pretty good at it because I get at least five likes sometimes. Every once in a while, I even get one of those smiley face things with it's like this, and he's, he's got tears coming out of his eyes. Thank you, Carlos, by the way. I appreciate that, wherever because he, he's the guy who did that. But anyways, um, so, you know, I, I tend to think that I'm gifted. The world is weird when they talk about gifts. You know what I mean? You know what I mean by that? Like, the things that they label gifted with, like you've got the gift of gab, you know, or, or they say that you've, you've got a, a gift musically, or maybe that you've got um, like the gift from making that paper. Okay, I'm an old white guy, that totally didn't sound right, I won't do that again, I promise. I won't do the cool 
reference things because it just doesn't work. We have bumper stickers that proudly proclaim the giftedness of our children or our labradoodle, you know? <laughs> we just got this weird thing. But nowhere is it more overused in our world than when we talk about athletes. We talk about gifted athletes. There's only one real true gifted athlete, Mike Trout. We won't go into that. He's not in the end yet, so. But, but anyways, even if we were doing that, you know, people label these these athletes as being gifted of God and they've got these, you know, this amazing gift for playing basketball or playing baseball or doing whatever, you know, or, or, or even other musicians. You know, they've got this gift of they really know how to play guitar and they really know how to sing. And if you ever ask a musician or an athlete who they call gifted, they'll tell you that they kicked their butts to get to where they're at. It was hard work, hard labor. There's nothing gifted about it. See, the world tends to want to place these titles on what gifts are, and, and they'll even throw out that, you know, this basketball player has a gift of God, and then they'll throw in Philippians 4.17 behind it to say, you know, this is, yeah, because, you know, I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me. Well, it doesn't mean they're gifted, and, and that's like the most overused and misused scripture that there is. But the reality is that there, are, there is a distinct thing between what the world thinks giftedness is And what God says are his gifts given to us through his Holy Spirit. Completely different. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, today as we begin to kind of close up our series called The Pursuit, uh, Going After God's Will. Today's kind of the last day in that series. If you've been with us uh, for the last, what is it, four or five weeks, I think it's been now. Uh, The beginning of the series, Ricardo shared that we often have a misconception of what it means to look for God's will how many of you are looking for God's will? How many of you like done that? We've all kind of done that. We've all, we, wanna, we wanna know what does God want me to do? But we've got this idea that looking for God's will is like, like, like Ricardo described it that very first Sunday as kind of a, sorry, there's a mosquito that's trying to eat me. You're dead now, try it again. Okay, so going back, that was a really bad tangent to go off on. Ricardo shared that first week that for some of us, we believe that looking for God's will is like, a, like some kind of a mystical Easter egg hunt. Like we're out there and we're like, we open the door and go, is God's will in here? Is God's will in here? Is she the right one? Is he the right one? Is this the right church? Is this the right job? Is this the right thing I'm supposed to do? And we do this and we kind of poke at it, hoping that that's gonna somehow magically open up and go, surprise, God's will's right here. And it's something that we can follow. But that's not really what we've kind of found out during this, during this series. It's really about transforming our will to match God's will. So if you look in Romans 12, it kind of starts off with here. It says this. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then, this is my emphasis, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Ricardo went on to introduce us some of the lenses which we focus on uh, when we're looking at God's will for our lives. And these were those four lenses. To love God and our fellow man as Jesus does. To live a holy life modeled after the life that Jesus lived. 
to share the gospel, the good news, as Jesus did, as it is the only power to save. And then lastly, what we're talking about today is using the gifts God has given to serve others and to glorify him. Pastor Jason took us in through the very first one, the loving God as fellow man, as Jesus does. He talked to us about the central importance of loving God and our neighbor as in, in this pursuit, calling us to put aside uh, the classifications that the world would put on people. You know, the world says you should only love this group because they are like you or because they ascend to this kind of thinking or, or, they, or they descend to this kind of depravity. You know, it's, and, and the reality is, is that that's not what God says. It, in fact, it says this, that in, and the thing that just kind of just strikes me is that, um, is that he, used this, he used the parable of the Good Samaritan to kind of illustrate his point about it doesn't really matter. Um, as, long as, you, as long as you love your neighbor and as long as you, you treat your neighbor with kindness and respect, that's what makes your neighbor your neighbor. It's not this distinction of race or color or creed or whatever. It's, it's just that they're there. They're there in front of you. Brian Bell brought us a message of the pursuit of holiness, addressing the process of sanctification, which begins with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and the Holy Spirit working in us to, be, to make us more like God. We respond to God's love by striving to be more like him. Um, one of the standouts for me in this idea was that the way that we know that we're pursuing holiness is that if we're pursuing self-interest, that's not holiness. If we're pursuing, if we're pursuing others' interests, and most, most first and foremost, the interests of God above our own, just as Jesus did. Remember how Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done, that's where holiness, the pursuit of holiness begins. And so, 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 um, so Brian brought us through that. And then last week, Pastor Jason shared with us the importance of sharing the message of Jesus with others. Um, we live in a world right now that is, that is absolutely screaming for hope. Just, I mean, it's everywhere. The drum is beating so loudly and we have that message of hope inside of us. We carry the story because we've grasped onto that hope. We've taken Jesus into our own lives and we've been transformed by that. And we have this now ability to share the story and hopefully invite them into our own story with us as we get to, to love with Jesus. I, you know, I'm just gonna share this verse because it just, everyone knows it, um, but I'm gonna say it anyways. And if you don't, cool, I'm glad you're hearing it. You know, John 3, 16 and 17 says this, and this is just a standout. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved the world so much. Here it comes. That he gave his only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And then we always forget 17, so that's why I'm throwing in 17. Because it says, for God did not send his son of the world to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to condemn us, he came to save us. Because he loves this place. He created this place because he loved this place. He knew what was gonna happen. And he sent his son to save us in that. And I just, oh, that's just amazing. So we tell our part in that story and we invite other people to be a part of that. So we're gonna wrap up the series today uh, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I am gonna tell you this. Um, this and Ricardo, forgive me. This is not gonna be a sermon about the gifts of the Spirit. 
like, wait a minute, you just said it was going to be about the gifts of the Spirit. It's really not. Um, the gifts of the Spirit are long, and we just don't have time to go over it in one single Sunday. So we're going to look at them. Don't get me wrong, we're going to look at the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk a little bit about them, but it's not about what the different gifts look like or how you're going to use them or anything like that. That's for another Sunday or for maybe a Bible study or something else like that. This is more about <clears throat> how we use those gifts in the body of Christ to glorify God and to build one another up. Um, so, but just so we're going to start off with it, we're going to actually take a look at the gifts just so you know kind of what they are. Um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are mentioned in several different places in the New Testament. Uh, we're going to start off by looking at 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 1. Um, and actually, I know it's up there, it says verse 1. We're actually going to start at verse 4. So verse 4 says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To no one, or to one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of those same tongues. All of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So that's the first list. There's a lot of things there. You'll, you'll have all that list up here hopefully in just a minute. But it kind of continues on. That's not all of them. This is, so there's the first group here. And now we're going to look at the second kind of group of gifts. And that's found in Romans 12. Romans 12, 6 through 9. It says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. I love that word. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So it's interesting that who Paul was delivering this message to. The very first group of people, when we talk about the Corinthians, was a church that was, what'd you say, Ricardo, a little rebellious? <laughs> Slightly. They had some problems. They were a little confused about the, oh, the way things were. And so Paul writes this message to them to have them understand what was going on. Paul also wrote the, next le the other letter, Romans. And Romans was kind of like the New York City of the day. It was a very metropolitan place. It was a thriving, bustling, amazing community. And so both of these messages are written to kind of like maybe similar crowds, but also a little different as well, um, to help them understand exactly how God was going to use them. It's amazing, and in both of these churches, things happened powerfully that changed the areas in which they were in the world. And, and I believe it's because they took these gifts that Paul talked about and they administered in the way they were, they were designed to be. And so here's that list. So just if you're interested in lists, if you're a list person. Um, so we're making a list. These are in no particular order of importance. Um, the first one is the message of wisdom, which, is a, which means something along the lines of just 
um, an, a super, in, before, let me back up here. All of these gifts are not just your normal, your normal wisdom or knowledge or things like this. This is supernatural stuff, okay? It's not like, like don't spit in the wind. Okay, that's wisdom, right? Right, don't you think that would be wisdom? If, if you haven't heard that before, don't spit in the wind, okay? Now you have a truth. But that is worldly wisdom. That's a, like never sit your BB gun on top of an electric fence when you're shooting it. Some of you are not understanding, like, BB guns? I, I learned that lesson. I, wisdom, that was wisdom I gained once when I was a child. You never rest your BB gun to aim at a tin can on an electric fence because it won't feel good. Never approach a horse from the back when you're in a hurry because horses don't like to be approached from the back when you're running at them. So they will deliver. So this is, that's, that would be worldly kind of wisdom, but supernatural wisdom or supernatural knowledge or supernatural gifts of healing or things like that, these are things that come about us in a spiritual sort of way, okay? So on this list, the message of wisdom would be a wisdom that would come not just from experience, but maybe experience that God had taken you through and an ability to share it with other people. The message of knowledge, you may have an, an, an abundance in terms of just knowing the word of God but, or, or knowing about other things, but the Spirit then gives you a, a bet, like, a, like a deeper understanding that you can share that with others when it's, when it's necessary and it comes, comes when you're not ready for it. Gift of faith, you know, a lot of us say, yeah, I have faith in God, but, but a supernatural kind of gift of faith is, is something that, that overcomes. It's like, like it never falters. Like you could be on fire and you're gonna go, I know someone's gonna be here in a minute with a fire extinguisher kind of faith, right? Miraculous powers, or rather, sorry, back up, the gift of healing. My, my daughter just graduated from, from nursing school. She's, gonna, she's heading on to be a nurse. She's gonna be a healer. But I've been in situations where people have laid hands on folks and they have healed them miraculously. I've had, I had a friend that I used to work with in Mexico who a group of people laid hands on her. She had ovarian cancer and it was gone, like literally gone, just miraculously. And I, and I still hear of folks in, in different parts of our world that, that miracles are happening, even here in the United States where miracles happen. These are things that are just out of the ordinary, not things that science can explain kind of stuff. The gift of prophecy, that's, that's not like Madam whoever down the road <laughs> with the palm reading thing. That's not what prophecy is. Prophecy is about speaking over someone um, like a word that, that comes from the Lord that will be delivered in someone's life or maybe even in the church, not for their own edification, but rather, for the again, for the edification of the body. Discernment of spirits are sometimes just called discernment. Um, speaking in different tongues and translations of different tongues. Um, you know, I think that, that sometimes we get a little, there's some controversy about that, we'll, and we won't go into it too deep, but, but back in the time of Paul, it was very specifically about the different kinds of languages because both of these cities were in places that were crossroads where people from all sorts of different areas of the world were there and, and they'd come and they'd ask questions and you know if you spoke only Aramaic or Greek, you'd go, huh? And they would look at you and go, huh? And then there would be no sharing. So there was a supernatural gift of being able to speak in a tongue 
or maybe even just understand the tongue that you were being spoken to and that person then being able to respond back. That, that was a gift that people had and it still happens today. Uh, ask me about my situation with a cop in Mexico once and when they had guns aimed at me. Well, I'll just tell you now. I was in a, I was in a, that's a fun story. Uh, I was in Mexico once and, and I knew a little Spanish like how to order food at a taco stand because that's really important. Because um, tacos are awesome. I just want to tell you that. Um, but I, I was, back then I was a long-haired, grungy guy, um, kind of a beard like Tim's, and, um, but a little wilder. And, and I got pulled over as in a beat-up old forerunner covered in mud and was being followed by a buddy of mine in a, in a Volkswagen bus. And we got pulled over, and I was parked there, and this guy, like, pulls in front of me in, like, a Jeep Wrangler or something like that, and he gets out, and he's in a, like, Hawaiian shirt, and his, butt, his shirt's open, and, he, and I see him put a 9-millimeter in his, in his waistband, and I'm like oh, crud, this guy's gonna steal my car. And so I, I get out, or I didn't get out, I was just sitting in, he gets out of his car, he walks around, and he pulls this badge out from his, from his shirt. And, and he asked me all these questions, and I answered all these questions in perfect Spanish. I know it was miraculous, because he understood everything I said. And then he went back to his car, and my friend calls me, he says, Jeff, don't move, because we, ra- we had these like walkie-talkie radio things. And he calls me and says, Jeff, don't move, but look in your rearview mirror. And I looked in my rearview mirror, and there are soldiers behind my truck with FN rifles aimed at my head as this guy's talking. Because apparently we blew a roadblock that we didn't know was a roadblock. Because, I mean, there's this dude out there with a shirt open like this. He's dressed, he didn't look like a cop making a roadblock. It looks like some dude. <laughs> Anyways, that's my story about miraculously speaking Spanish. It may have just been nerves, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that it was... Speaking in different tongues, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Paul also goes in and describes that there's a supernatural gift of teaching and serving and encouraging others and giving or, or having generosity, of, a supernatural gift of leading as well as showing mercy. These are gifts that we are given. How many of you can recognize some of these things in your own life? You recognize some of that? Like, it's just like, yeah, you know, sometimes I just feel like like when, when there's like, we're not going anywhere and, and it just seems like we're not moving forward, I feel this string in my heart that I need to step up and say something and do something. Or when I see someone on the street and I, and I just, you know, they're not homeless or anything, but they just, they're just on the street and it just looks like they need someone to come put their hand on them or maybe just say something nice to them. You just feel that? That's the spirit moving in you because that's not a human response. It's really not. And especially in our world today, our world today is to, you know, kick a man when he's down, not, not build him up. And so these are spiritual things. So, um, so anyways, like I said, we're, we're going to talk about those a little bit, and I guess that kind of was us talking a little bit about it. Um, and I could spend a lot of time on it, and, and we honestly don't have a lot of time to talk about it. But what I really want to share with you is why we get these gifts. Why would God give us these supernatural gifts, why would, he, why would he say to us, why would Jesus say, you know, before he left, that, that the Holy Spirit was gonna come to us and we would be gifted with these different things? Why would, why would the Lord leave us with that? Well, it's because he has something in mind. There's a reason why we're here in this body today. There's a reason why the Holy Spirit came. It's not just to comfort us until the end, right? We're not designed, we're not put together as the church 
to sit where you're sitting today and listen to some weird dude up here talking to you every Sunday until Jesus comes or death comes knocking at our door. That's not the deal, folks. Why we're here and why God gave us the Holy Spirit and these gifts of the Holy Spirit is to build each other up and to glorify him. That's what this is about. So, Ricardo shared something from 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11 in that very first week of the series. I wanna read that with you guys right now. It begins with this. The end of all things is near. Stop. You hear what he just said? What did he just say? Someone repeat that back to me. The end of all things is near. That verse, that little thing right there, says two things. It says, it says, hey, relief is on the way because this is almost over, right? So there's a, there's a message kind of of hope. It's a little negative, maybe not the way I would have put it, but it, there's like this, the end is almost here. Hang on. There's a message of hope there. But there's also a note of desperation. Hey, the end of all things is near. We don't have a lot of time. You've been given some things. So to listen up. Therefore, be alert and be of sober mind that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. Okay, so the first thing I want you to catch from this is this why we've been given these gifts and why we're supposed to use them. What's it say at the very end? First and foremost, what it says is, is that we do these things so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. That's what this is about. First and foremost, when we use our gifts, God gets the glory. When we use them in a worldly manner, we get the glory. And God doesn't. And that doesn't benefit anything but us. And that glory fades. When God gets the glory, that that glory remains. And we get blessed through it. So one of the ways that we can distinguish between worldly gifts and godly gifts is that when godly gifts are used, God gets the glory. When worldly gifts are used, we get the glory. So kind of something to think about. All right, where'd it go? There it is. Who knows what this is? What is that? Somebody tell me, what is it? Someone said a wrench. Well, it's, it's it's, yeah, it's good. Daryl's getting into like really the complex stuff. But it is a, um, it's really, it's a, this part is what I'm kind of talking about. This is called a crescent wrench. Right, a crescent wrench. It's an adjust, for those of you who are not wrench uh, aficionados like I am, it is, a, uh, it is an adjustable wrench. The cool thing about, a, about this is you can make it really small to adjust really small nuts, or you can make it really big uh, to adjust larger nuts. And this one has a sharp pokey thing if someone gives you any mouth about his age. 
No, that's not what I use it for. Um, I use this a lot when I'm in trees. Now, I used to work with a guy who, um, who was adamant about, because he was the owner of the company, that he was adamant about how we use tools. This is a wrench, not a hammer. It's very important we understand that. This is not a hammer. But when you're 35 feet up in a tree and your hammer's on the ground, guess what this becomes? It becomes a hammer. So one day I learned the hard way why we don't use this as a hammer. So I was up in a tree. We're setting a platform into a tree. And there's a big old bolt that I was trying to get through there. And it just trying to push it in there. It's not working. So I grab out. It wasn't this wrench. I grabbed out my crescent wrench. And I went to whacking on that thing. And so I added a nut on one side. And I go to add the nut on the other side. And it was a, a, a large nut. And so I went to wind the thing up. And I was like, it's not getting any. What is going on with my... Oh, man. Sure enough, I had beat the heck out of this end with that, with that bolt, and I flattened it out, and so it wouldn't open or close what it, like the way it was supposed to. So when you're 35 feet up in a tree and your, your wrench don't work, now you got to climb down the tree, and it's, it's no fun. So anyways, why do I bring that up? Because sometimes we misuse our gifts. Um, one of the gifts that I always hear about is uh, the gift of, or one of, one of the most popular gifts, for lack of a better term, is the gift of, uh, the gift of discernment, the gift of discerning spirits or the gift of discernment. Has anyone ever told you they've got the gift of discernment? I've, I've been to some places where people have said, yeah, I've got the gift of discernment, when really what they have is the gift of judgment. And that is a very worldly, worldly gift because they have this ability to discern, but really what they wanna do is they wanna point out what's wrong with you or the things around you, but they offer no solution. It doesn't build up the church, but instead it diminishes those that are within. And there are other people that use other different types of, you know, they say they've got this gift, but in the reality, what it's all about, it's about puffing themselves up instead of trying to bring glory to God and to bring unity to the church. They tend to want to use the gift as a hammer rather than as a connecting device. And so we have to be aware of that. You know, it's easy to fall into too, right? It's really easy to, to you know, you got your gift and you're like, use my gift. I'm like, is anyone watching me use my gift? You, you ever do that? Because, it, it, you know, when you're using your gift, you're feeling this, people are praising the Lord, you're getting kind of excited about it, you know, they said, ah, oh, you're just a great teacher, and all of a sudden you're like, I am, aren't I? <laughs> I have to put up with all those kids in there. I'm amazing. And then who's getting the glory? You're getting the glory, yeah. you know. It's an easy trap to fall into. Um, I am, uh, I like to give stuff away. Um, well, like, my wife likes to give my stuff away. Um, <laughs> I will never get that T-shirt back. I'm just kidding. I'm no, I'm teasing. No, we're, um, I, my wife is also generous to a fault. And, but um, a, a while back ago, the mission did something really, really neat for everybody. It, was, it really was a kind of a cool thing. Is we came up with this app where you could give online, which was perfect for us because we always forget the checkbook at home. You know, and so I remember my wife being as efficient as she is. She's like, oh, this is going to be awesome. You know, she's doing her little app thing. I don't know what she did because I'm not an app person. And, and she's because I'm old. Um, and, 
but she set up our app and everything, and yeah, you're not living that one down. Um, she set us up, and I was like, great, man. It's set up to give automatically. This is gonna be perfect. We don't have to decide what we need to even do because we've already input what we need to put. It's gonna be great. I thought, how wonderful. And then the, then the plate got passed, and I was like, I look at the usher and I'm like, <laughs> if you didn't get that, I said, we give online. And, and because I felt guilty, I was like, this guy's gonna think that we're one of those people that don't tithe. And don't take that the wrong way, anybody, please. I, I had it come out of my mouth and I realized it's not what I'm saying. But it's like, what I was trying to say is, is at that moment it was like, Part of the pride of giving, there was pride in giving. It was like, I'm giving, look, I'm giving. Aren't I wonderful? And that's not the point of giving. Giving is about giving because we're being obedient. We give because we know that when we give, the Lord takes that and he uses it to do amazing things that that we wouldn't be able to do, to make connections in places that we maybe wouldn't be able to make those connections. Yet still, it was really easy for me to fall into that, that trap of, of wanting to take some of that glory onto myself. You know, it's, part of that is because sometimes we get caught up in our own self-righteousness. We, we want people to think that we're, we're good. Jesus once shared a parable with some folks who were also pretty confident in their, in their spirituality and their righteousness. In Luke 18, 10 through 14, he says this, two men went up to a, to a temple to pray, or to the temple and pray, to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So here's the difference here between these two guys. The tax collector knew where he stood before God, or better, where God stood before him. He got it. Humility is one of the key aspects that we need to hold on to when we utilize or when we put the gifts of the Spirit to work. When we don't think about us, how, what we're gonna get from it, or what kind of time it's gonna take away from us, or if it's gonna prevent me from getting to lunch on time, or if it's gonna mean it's gonna, I'm gonna have to make another phone call, or whatever it might be, or that I may actually, God forbid, talk to someone. When we take that out of mind and we remember, God wants to use me to serve his church and to glorify him. When we take that humble attitude and recognize where we are before God, he took me a sinner and saved me. He brought me up out of the muck and the mire and changed my life. He put joy in my heart, peace in my soul, compassion, and all this other stuff that I benefit from, that I'm blessed because of. Put me in a body of believers that's just amazing to be with. What else can I do but say, God, send me. Do what you want to do. Not for me, but for you. So humility is the key in that. He gets the glory when we don't. 
the second reason the Holy Spirit gifts us for the building is for the building up the body of Christ as church. If we look back at 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, the very, like up towards the beginning, or actually verse seven, it says this, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, not for the singular good. It's not for you, it's not for, it's not for Terry, or just Ricardo, it's not who it's for, it's for the common good. It's for us all. Look back at Romans 12 for a second. We're gonna look at verses three and five. It says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. God has distributed to each of you, not faith you built up on your own. For just as each one of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. I love that description. I love the way that Paul, he does it in a couple different places. He talks about the church being a body. One, it's a great illustration because everyone's got a body, (laughs) right? It doesn't take much. You can look down at yourself and go, hey, I got what he's talking about. I know what he's saying. But the funny thing is that about the one of the reasons why he does that is because he realizes that the body has to work together to function correctly. And if something isn't there or doesn't work right, it affects everything else. Paul goes into greater detail in 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 12. And we're gonna look at this, and it's a it's a long one, so hang in there with me. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all have many parts to form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so the body is not made up of one part but of many. Now now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not be that reason to stop, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While other, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I don't think you guys... Well, maybe some of you do. A lot of you do, actually. But I don't think you understand exactly what goes on at this little church. I look around. We're we're not small. We're not big in number. We're not really even big in building, because because that matters, right? Okay. 
But the amazing thing that goes on in this, in this church is that, is that we're able to function sometimes at all. That we have, how many paid staff? Two? We have two paid staff to run a church. Everything else from the children's department to the music department to the serve to whatever it might be, even to our, some of the folks that work in administration, do that from the good of their heart by listening to God's call and answering that. Some of them are doing double duty. Some of them are doing triple duty. Some of them are doing quadruple duty. And it just amazes me that people still give, they still do that. Because we, we have few people. We get a lot done with the few people we have though. It's amazing to me. But the thing is, is that you can tell when someone's gone because the whole body suffers. You can tell when, you know, we've, we've gone through some changes over the years and, and the body has suffered and others have taken it on. I have this buddy of mine, good friend, dear friend of the Lord. Um, uh, he helped kind of raise Angelica and I kind of, he just was a good guy. We were in Mexico. His name's Obed. And uh, Obed's diabetic. And so because of this one little, little, I don't know how big it is. Cindy, how big's the pancreas? It's big enough. You don't know. You're in... It's this big. Okay. So, so because, this, because this pancreas is all whacked out, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And so his kidneys, his liver, his heart, his pulmonary system, and even his eyes are affected because of that one little deal, that one little organ. And it goes on the same way in our, in our body, in the church, that one of us is not functioning correctly or one of us is not using the gifts that they've been given to serve within the body of Christ or maybe we're unhealthy spiritually. That affects all of us. That's an important thing. Now, I don't, I don't mean to put that weight on you, but I kind of do. Because the good news is, is that the Spirit of God is with you. When the Spirit of the Lord is there, there's, there's peace, there's strength, there's, there's encouragement in that place. And the beautiful thing is you're surrounded by all these other people who've got that same spirit in here to build you up and to lift each other up. When one falls down, the other is there to pick them up. That's what this is about. So when we're using our gifts correctly or when we're, do, when we're using our gifts the way God designed it to be used, then all of us are better. When we don't, all of us suffer. One of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, wrote a book, interestingly enough, titled The Pursuit of God. And he said this, social religion, meaning the religion, the, the faith that we practice kind of in this, is perfected when private religion, stuff we do here, is purified. The body becomes stronger as its members become healthier. The whole church of God gains when the members that compose it begin to seek a better and higher life. So why don't we use our gifts, or rather, why is it so dang hard to volunteer or stay committed to using the gifts the Spirit's given us? Why don't we share that, in, that gift of encouragement with others? Why don't we share mercy? I think it's oftentimes because we try to do it in our own strength, or we don't, think, we don't do it because we're too, we say we're too busy, or uh, we're afraid we'll screw up. That's kind of a big one. Fear's kind of a big deal with it. What will someone say? Maybe we'll get judged. 
Maybe because someone in the church legitimately wronged us and we don't want to participate with them because, you know, we're, we're ticked at them, right? Yeah, I'm not going to help out because they made me angry. He can, he can ask somebody else. Or sometimes it's because maybe they didn't take notice of what we were doing. Didn't get enough props. Why would I do it if someone's not going to give me a, that a boy, you know, or that a girl or whatever? Um, maybe it's because someone in the church has a different set of standards than we've got. Like, they like the Dodgers. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm, mess, I'm messing with you. I'm just, I'm kidding. I, I know, my team's, you know, already on the, enjoying Florida. Yeah. All right. But, uh, you know, but sometimes it's because someone's got tattoos and we just don't agree with tattoos, so we don't want to serve in a place that would, that would accept tattoos or, or maybe because there's, some people that drink and, and, and we don't agree with that or they eat something that, that we don't agree with or whatever it might be. All this unity, one body thing doesn't work without one key element that's, that sometimes we're missing. I think this is the key thing. And I, I know we're going kind of long, but, but stick with me here. We're gonna, we're gonna wrap this up in just a minute. At the end of chapter 12, after Paul has described the body and he's described the gifts and Actually, he's described the gifts and he's described the body. At the very end of it, it's kind of weird the way the chapter ends. It's kind of like whoever put the little chapter markers when they were, when they were translating the Bible, when they were putting numbers in there, because Paul didn't do that originally. Um, it's like they moved the number a little too far south. They're like, like maybe they had too much wine and they were like, we'll just put it right there. Because monks will do that, right? Start 13 here, but no, I think it was put this way for a reason. At the very end of chapter 12, it says this one line Now I will show you a most excellent way. Confused about how to use your gift, confused about how to be a part of the body of Christ, I'm about ready to solve it for you. That's what Paul's saying right here. I'm going to show you the most excellent way. And then chapter 13 begins If I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor or give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud. It, doesn't, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. <clears throat> Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it'll pass away. For what we know in part and what we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. See, the, here's the key thing. If love is missing, your gifts are worth nothing. Your efforts are worth nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Does that make sense? Love has to be at the center of this, not guilt, 
Not because someone hounded you to become a volunteer. If you don't love God and love your neighbor as we've been talking about, those gifts mean nothing because they're not gonna be able to be used in the manner that God intended them to make them actually function. That's how this works. That's how this works. We have to keep that in mind. We don't need to love either. As, and, and Paul went into great detail in terms of explaining what love is. We're not talking about worldly kind of love. Like, I'd love to do this. It's different. Sacrificial. It's the way that Jesus lived out love. That's the key thing here. He lived out love all the way to the cross. He followed through and carried it on. And that's the kind of love he wants us to live with as well. Let me go back to 1 Peter 4, 8 for just a second. It says this, above all things, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. You know, I read this and and I threw this in here and maybe it's not appropriate to put it in here, but I think it'll all connect here in a second. Because I I do sometimes feel like, I've been in churches where people haven't served because they feel offended. And and so I read this verse and I kind of read it from a different perspective. Uh, So when you read this and it says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins, what does that mean to you when you first read that? It's kind of rhetorical, you don't have to answer. But when you look at it, you know, when I read it, the first time I read it or when I've read it before, it's always been, Hey, if you love, you know, it'll kind of cover you. You're, you're covered, right? Your back's covered because you can screw up, but if you love, you're good, right? That's not what he's saying. I don't think that's what he's saying. I read, I read this again, and, and, it, and it struck me kind of different. What he's saying is that when you love, the sins that others have done to you or to others that you love don't really matter anymore. You can see past it. Your love allows you to focus on the person that's in front of you, not all that crud that they've done to wrong you. When you love, you can let that go because isn't that what God did when he sent his son? He took his love, he put it on a cross, he suffered the sacrifice for us, and that covers over our sins. So he no longer sees these people that have violated his laws that have perverted his name, that have have wrecked his world, all he sees is you. All he sees is you. And all he feels is his love for you. That's it. Nothing else getting in the way. This last week, just kind of in closing here, last week in a courthouse in Texas, this was demonstrated. Um, I don't know if you guys have been following the story. Um, a man whose brother was shot and killed by a police officer in his own home uh, was convicted of murder. A police officer was. And the man's brother was there and was speaking at her, at her um, sentencing and was giving like a family sort of a testimonial kind of a thing, a chance to kind of tell her what they thought of her so she would have to deal with that in, in jail. And sometimes those things get really, really ugly. But this was different. He sat there and he was honest with her about, about how he felt, but he, but he did something different that just shocked everyone. He said, look, I love you. 
and I forgive you because that's what my brother would do. He would want the best for you. I don't really even want you to go to jail. But I want you to know that you are loved and that Jesus loves you and that you should give your life to Christ. And then he did the most amazing thing. He turns to the judge and says, can I go give her a hug? That love that he had in Christ allowed him to look past the fact that this person had shot his brother and went down and loved her and extended the hand of grace to her. Now, I don't know if she's saved. I don't know if she knows the Lord. But I will guarantee that this opened the door for her to embrace the Father next. Amen? Amen. So there's a couple things I want you to take away from today. First of all, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are different from the gifts of the world. Secondly, we are given the gifts by the Holy Spirit not for our benefit, but for others. By using the gifts we have been given, we bring glory to God to bring health to the church. And lastly, using the gifts of the Spirit in alignment with God's will is impossible without a sincere love we see demonstrated in the life of Christ, put into practice in our own. As the band comes up, and as the ushers uh, start to move forward, um, I wanna conclude you, I'm gonna conclude the series with this little thought. Um, you ever feel like you're wandering? You just kinda feel like you're just wandering in the dark looking for God's will. Well, maybe the issue is, is it, because you haven't really aimed at a target. You know, I've got 100 buddies in here right now, and, and they know that you, that you can't hit something unless you have a target to aim for. If you're looking to try to realign God's will to fit yours, that is a fool's errand. You cannot make God's will fit yours. It starts with a renewal of your mind, allowing God to work in you. If you make your target God's will, God, I wanna, I wanna bring you glory, I wanna bring you honor, I wanna follow your will and your way, that's where you start, and the will becomes clear. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to stand up here and share from your word and God I just I want to pray right now over the over the church that Lord you would use her in a mighty way uh, to spread hope to spread joy to spread peace to, to spread your love in the community of Redlands in the state of California in the United States of America and to every country beyond God, because your message of hope is true, your message of hope is real, um, your message of hope is the only message of hope for a world that is dying and is lost. And so God, right now, I, I pray that you would stir us, Lord, that you would, you would pain us when we see injustice, that you would pain us when we see, when we see the afflicted, Lord, that you would pain us when we know of those that don't know the saving grace of your son, Jesus Christ, that you would paint us in such a way, Lord, that you would move us forward 
to act with justice in areas where justice doesn't exist, to act with mercy in places where mercy doesn't exist, to provide hope in places that are, that's hopeless, and to, be, and to be your love in places, Lord, that just don't know what that's like. Lord, be glorified in our comings and our goings, in our doings and our beings, in our relationships, in our words, in all of our deeds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.